calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving god, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. This is John Roca, one third of the Geek Buddies with this awesome ad for you. If you like this show and you want to make your own and some of you reached out and asked us about making your own podcast, well, let me tell you about Anchor. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And now you can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. The possibilities are endless for what you can create, whether it's music analysis, your own radio show, or something the world's never heard before. Go ahead and let your freak flag fly. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so many more places. And you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Take it from us here at the Geek Buddies. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Now, on with the Geek Buddies show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another spoiler review episode for the Bad Batch from the Geek Buddies. <gasps> and of course, uh, we are back to talk about the next episode of the Bad Batch episode three replacements oh interesting replacements what does that mean we're gonna get into all of it uh this is your first spoiler warning if you haven't watched the episode please go watch the episode come on back and join us let's introduce ourselves my name is uh, the outlaw john roca i'm a writer producer and host here on the outlaw nation over there in the corner i am michael vogel i'm a writer and producer of animated tv shows and movies and below me and this is Shannon McClung. I'm an animation writer and a television actor where you may have seen me on Brooklyn Nine-Nine, The Goldbergs, and Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And joining us again this week, Laura Kelly. Please tell them where uh, all the stuff you're doing, Laura. Sure. So I host a podcast called Force Toast, a Star Wars Happy Hour. Those episodes come out every other Tuesday where we just drink wine and talk about Star Wars. And then I co-host The Jedi Way with John here on his channel. That's so true. find episodes of that every other week as well. I apologize. We were supposed to do one this week, but I went down with that Moderna vaccine like a sack of potatoes 
and barely am back to feeling somewhat level today. But we will have an episode on Tarkin coming soon. We did a lot of research on that, so looking forward to talking about that. And shout out to Laura Kelly, where the Princess Leia New Hope shot uh, hairstyle from the end of the movie. Shout out. <laughs> shout out. If we'll only go- I had enough hair to do the braid and everything. But no, oh, just God. a little... Little updo. I'll say, just give us all medals this time, please. All right. Anyways, <laughs> start of this thing. All right. This start, we're starting spicy. We're starting spicy. <laughs> just having a little fun. This one's directed by Brad Rao and Nathan Villanueva back again. So excited to talk about this one for sure. Uh, uh, one last uh, spoiler warning here before we jump into our thoughts and then get into the specifics of the episode. Uh, uh, Michael Vogel, I'll start with you. What did you think overall about uh, this episode here? the third one in the first season a lot of really cool stuff to talk about as we said last week kind of watching this moment in history in the star wars universe Mm. that we've never watched before this transition from the republic into the empire uh and filling in those gaps continues to be really really interesting a lot of fun character stuff uh, you know, I will say this isn't really a complaint because I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed the episode, but, uh, I, I did feel like the actual plot for the Bad Batch themselves, uh, Stranded on the Moon was mm. maybe out of all of the things that were happening, the least interesting, still super okay. fun, still super yeah. good, but I kind of found, um, everything going on with the new troopers and Crosshair and Kamino and Tarkin uh, to kind of get me more intrigued. Whereas the Bad Batch stuff, I mean, I already love these guys. I already love Omega. I continue to love them, but I'm excited to see some of that stuff move forward uh, in the next few weeks. Yeah, Laura Kelly, what were your thoughts overall on this one? Uh, we get This one comes to us from writer Mac, Matt McNovitz, who's written on The Clone Wars, Fallen Order, Rebels, one of your favorite shows. So what did you think of this episode? I enjoyed it. And I'm kind of in the same boat, I think, as Michael, where I, mm. I was much more into what was happening on Camino than I was on this, you know, mystery, very dark planet. Um, overall, the, the whole episode for me was just a little bit too dark in terms of, I'm not sure what happened with lighting, but I just, I feel like I couldn't see oh, anything gotcha. at any point, yeah. which was really frustrating for me. But I... Over for the most part, the story in general, I really enjoyed. It was a lot of back and forth. Um, so sometimes it was a little bit hard to stay focused on what exactly was happening because we were jumping back and forth between these two locations constantly. Um, but yeah, the stuff that's happening with with Crosshair and with this new you know elite squad that he's working with, I think is gonna it's gonna give us some interesting storylines. Um, it actually made me a lot more excited to talk about Tarkin too, because we got some really good Tarkin content in this. And I have some theories about where this is going to go, yeah. <laughs> I think with him. So in general, um, not the strongest episode we've had so far, but definitely interesting in terms of filling in some of the plot that we, uh, we've missed between episodes three and four of, Star- of the films. Certainly Imperial governor Tarkin at this point, not Graham Moff, Imperial governor at this point, my, uh, uh Shannon rather, uh, Mike and Laura bring up excellent points, essentially two different locations uh two different storylines happening at the same time but you imagine one is done to soften some of the darkness and i don't mean the visual darks that allura alluded to but the actual darkness of what's going on in camino you have a little bit more of a lighter somewhat approach here with omega getting more and more entrenched in with the bad batch what did you think of this episode I really liked this episode. Um, I thought the last episode where they were uh, with with Cut, um, I was like, "Oh, this this is a nice, pleasant episode." We're we're getting to see the, these building the build the building relationships mm. amongst the Bad Batch and Omega. Um, this one, like, I love that we focused on 
on Crosshair and this new this new elite squad. I mean, it seems like they they have to firmly establish these two these two points of view before they inevitably clash. And I also love the fact that my buddy Noshir Dalal's role as Vice Admiral Rampart, it, 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 he's playing very coy right now because I wrote it's him. I'm like, dude. I'm yeah. like, dude. Are you the big bad? <laughs> and he wrote, well, I'm a bad. <laughs> I don't know if I would say I'm the big bad. But, uh, yeah, I really like um, – I, I, I really, really enjoyed this episode. I mean, I do understand I, – I do understand the, the mm. critique that it was uh, a little lighter plot-wise. But um, just in terms of what we got in terms of the sequences and the building of Crosshair and his team, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, and shout out to your friend Nosh, who was also Varko Gray, a.k.a. the Titan leader uh, <laughs> on the Imperial side in Star Wars Squadron. So they like to use the same people, ladies and gentlemen. So breaking through that wall is a good thing for an actor, for sure. I like this episode. I think it was great. Certainly, I enjoyed it a little bit more than I did the last episode because I like when Star Wars goes dark. I like when they dive into the actual stuff that they did. I know people want to hug Darth Vader now, but he killed millions of people. So these people are actually bad people. And I like when they dial into the more the nuance and the nitty gritty of how evil they actually are and how relevant it feels to what we see in our everyday lives from political movements, from political leaders, from people who want to be in charge, constantly trying to find new ways to create military weapons or military soldiers that will be dedicated and loyal to imposing their rule on whatever they're ruling at the time. So I like that, and we got a little bit of that in this episode for sure. All right, let's get into this uh, here. Let's start off first. We go, uh, we're go. we on the ship here. Omega is using the droid as a, as a pillow rest, in essence. Uh, we have this conversation about food and record, basically to stress the fact that Omega is still, they haven't kind of made 100% space for Omega, and of course that's going to get paid off at the end of this episode but we see this kind of back and forth and once again oh, i guess i'm not used to having a kid on board you know with this conversation about having a child how everyone moves around and tries to figure this out the omega doesn't have a place to sleep mm. hunter says record you want her food too and the ship has been suffering uh technically uh from hits uh when they left uh Zulukamai. so uh we, they're figuring out echo's trying to figure out how to fix everything one thing at a time doesn't have a lot of help help because tech is really caught up in trying to figure out and, and build this scanner to look at this inhibitor chip. So it's really interesting. The inhibitor chip thing, we all are on board with this. We get it. But the clones are just kind of figuring it out episode per episode. And I wonder if that's going to get frustrating at some point. Uh, they get thrown out of hyperspace all of a sudden. They crash land on a desert, a desert moon. They need to replace a part. And Omega asks if the part, this uh, uh, this flux capacitor, for lack of a better term, is it pulls out, uh, pulls out this case, drags it out, and it is Crosshair's case. And this leads to an interesting mini discussion that maybe the chip, the inhibitor chip, made him do the things that he's doing. Uh, and Hunter, before they get into too deep a debate on whether you know, because Wrecker says, well, maybe Crosshair isn't a bad guy after all. They talk about how they miss him. And uh, Hunter cuts it off, says neither, none of this conversation is going to help us fix the ship. Mike, I go to you first on this one. Interesting conversation here where it's laying the seeds. You know, you're a showrunner. You've, you've handled scripts uh, covering storylines throughout an entire season. You see them kind of laying the redemption seeds here of the fact that maybe Crosshair can't control himself or can't help himself because of the inhibitor chip. What do you think about this opening scene here? 
Yeah, I mean, I was going to say, when you were talking about the fact that people want to hug Vader, uh, I think we are at a high likelihood that people are going to want to hug Crosshairs by the end of the series. <laughs> uh, they're, they're, definitely, they're definitely building a, a, com- a more complicated story than one would have thought with him. And, yeah. and it's really clear uh, with this whole opening scene that even though we are kind of like covering a lot of the interesting territory and seeding things that we're going to go, to Shannon's point, this really is Crosshair's episode. Like they had a lot they mm. wanted to do with him. They had a lot they wanted to uh, go down in, in establishing the troopers. And so for our main characters in the, uh, in the rest of the Bad Batch, we kind of get your basic MacGuffin story. We kind of get the, we crash on a planet, we have an object, we need to get the object. And so that's why their story doesn't necessarily move forward because they're just finding that plot device to get them off the planet. Now that being said, there is some really, really interesting stuff here. First of all, like you said in that opening scene with Omega, uh, you know, the episode's called The Replacements, and that has several meanings, and Omega is one of them. Like, Omega is replacing crosshairs on the team, and no one quite knows where she fits yet. Uh, And so that was really interesting. Also, with Echo, uh, you know, they've now, like, two weeks in a row, last week Echo couldn't unlock the ship. Uh, from the impound lot mm. and Wrecker had to come break it off and now Echo didn't fully fix everything and he's like look we got a long list we're doing everything but now for two weeks in a row Echo as well is sort of like well what is Echo's role on the team because uh, mm. in addition you know aside from Omega he's a new replacement as well uh, you know we we this doesn't take place too far after their arc in episode seven and Echo's still a pretty new member of the team. So a lot of interesting stuff there with the whole idea of replacements. Um, And then I just love Echo and Tex bickering. I think it's really cute. (laughs) I really enjoy it. And I love Tex, uh, as I said before, I really enjoy Tech and I really just enjoyed his, it, after we got through the inhibitor chip, which I do think, I don't know that that's going to get boring. I think that we are going to okay. get into really kind of delving into them figuring out uh, what this chip does, why it does it, and uh, seeing how that drives their bigger purpose over the course of the season beyond mm-hmm. just escaping or being on the run. Because at some point, they're going to have to have some kind of bigger goal. Uh, and I imagine that that might have to do with the inhibitor chip, but I just enjoyed when the ship was going down, you know, tech's like, no, no critical, no critical systems are compromised. Thing goes down. Hunter's like, really? And he's like, Hey, life support's working all good. Like he's just like, (laughs) no matter what, he's got an answer. And, uh, and for anyone who knows me, it's clear why I find that appealing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Um, Laura, it's a great point. Mike brings up here, Laura, because I mean, Wrecker, what are Wrecker a Hunter doing? Uh, because like Echo saying, I need help here, and it seems to be like Tech is the only one who can apparently help him. Are Wrecker and Hunter just useless in these kinds of situations? What's going on here? And what do you think about the <laughs> crosshair conversation about the inhibitor chip here? Well, I have to say, I think that we're laying a lot of groundwork in this episode for episodes mm. to come. Um, we've got, first of all, we've got, you know, tech working on this scanner object, which I think is going to lead to them, you know, trying to figure out what the inhibitor chip is and probably trying to remove them regardless of what they learn mm. uh, the inhibitor chips are just to, I don't know, maybe as just like some sort of safety precaution. Um, I, I think about if I found a chip in my head, I'd probably want it taken out too. Uh, so I have a feeling that's maybe something that's going to come, probably a plot line that's going to involve Rex, who we saw in the preview for the show. Um, I also think that there's something going on with Wrecker where he's doing an awful lot of complaining about his yes. head in this episode. Yes. So oh, yes. I'm wondering if this yeah. is maybe related to 
the inhibitor chip. Maybe something is about to go wrong there, and that'll probably drive that plot line to happen a little bit faster, uh, hopefully in a future episode. Yeah. But I think the stuff that's going on with, with Crosshair, I think you're totally right. This is going to end up being, I think, a sadly a pretty tragic character in the end. Mm. If I had to make any prediction for any of the four, five, you know, sort of main characters in the show, I think it it's going to end up being pretty sad uh, what we end up seeing with him. Cause this episode ends really tragically for him. We just see him sort of sitting and looking troubled in his yeah. bunk. And it never even occurred to me like, Oh yeah, the bad batch left, but he's still staying in this bunk. Now he's by himself. And now he's got this new bunch of squad people he's leading and they're taking over all of their, his old squad mates bunks. And it, that's kind of just sad in itself. So we've yeah. got, multiple meanings of replacements and they think tragedy to come, but I am looking forward to seeing where we move forward, uh, especially with what's happening with Wrecker. Yeah, it was obviously busy building, you know, this, this great little space for, for Omega in this episode. And then sure. uh, we had Hunter really having to constantly be the parent around mm. this, this ship, I think. So I think that's, what's probably mostly keeping him busy for the most part. Uh, good point. Yeah. Good point. <laughs> Handing out rations, making sure Wrecker's not breaking in there to get more food. That's a fair <laughs> point. That's a fair point. Uh, Shannon, what'd you think about this opening scene and what they were laying the groundwork for as Laura mentioned not only just in the episode but also in episodes to come this season yeah i mean i i, I definitely love the character work that's being done and it's mm. it's easy to gloss over what's happening with record because he's the big he's the big galoot um but the <laughs> fact that he's just like hit me again we're low on rations omega instantly offers her he's like great right. and you had pointed out in in a previous episode john how wrecker and omega mentally probably not that far apart yeah and wrecker immediately responds the way a hungry kid would respond like oh thanks and then once it's pointed out to him very very explicitly like she doesn't have some place to sleep do you really want to take her food too? Yeah. Um, like it's it, you. You see that moment. It's like the, his his gears turn a little slower on that level, but they do turn. Which you know we see when we get to the end. Um, agree with Laura. The moment he started complaining about his head, I was like, oh no. <laughs> and this, we're, we're, we're setting the stage for 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 Wrecker for Wrecker to freak out on everybody. But I also love the way Tech. Tech lives in a very black and white. He lives in a very binary world. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, we are okay until we aren't. Right, and right. Until the green check mark turns into a red X. And the fact that he becomes so hyper-focused on uh, building this scanner when the ship around him is literally coming apart. He's yeah. just like, yeah, 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 I'll get to it as soon as I'm done with this. Yeah, I was. I, I really liked this opening, and I am really curious to see what uh, how, how Echo is going to how, how he is going to fit in as the team continues to yeah. progress. For sure. I, Less, I also yeah. think really really quickly before we go on, just in that scene with Omega getting crosshair stuff, uh, I do think it's important. We talked about this even in like the first episode when Wrecker is in the mess hall saying, I like to blow, I like to break things because I like to break things. It's not something that was programmed into me. Right. And now with Crosshair, with Omega saying to them, uh, you know, it's not really Cro uh, Crosshair's fault. And like this whole discussion of, is it his fault that he went down this road? Is it the chip's fault? And I think as we talk about these inhibitor chips, as we see what's very likely going to come with Wrecker, uh, we are going to get into these ideas of, not, even beyond the chip, like how much of the clones is their choice and how much is programmed into them. And I think that is clearly yep. a thing that we keep coming back to. 
Yeah, that was just what I was going to say. But all right. All right, Mike, you got it. You <laughs> oh, sorry, 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 sorry. You nailed it. You, know, uh, you nailed it. Uh, yeah, basically that. That's that's what stuck with me. And I, and I like that because that's a philosophical concept, right? This is this is where I, I, I live and breathe in Star Wars. It's the philosophical concepts. I've said this many times. It's why I'll never win a Star Wars belt in this because, like, I don't. It's ship numbers and speed. Like I, to me, it's about concepts and what and theoretical stuff, you know. And I love that in Star Wars. I think they do a fantastic job of it. And this idea of free will versus choice is really interesting. And I like that they're kind of coming back to it every episode, making sure you don't forget how important these inhibitor chips are and the conversation and the clones kind of coming to terms with it as well. And you're right about the record thing. That scared the hell out of me. The second it's like, ah, oh, my head. I'm like, oh no. Well, you don't want wrecker getting flipped wrecker and crosshair is a recipe for danger for sure wrecker at ralph that's not what i want to see for god's sake oh so wow that's well done <laughs> well done thank you thank you very much thank you, thank you. But anyway, <laughs> disney marketing someplace just did this <laughs> the ding. But somebody, I also think somebody in disney consumer products just sat straight up in bed but I also think it's good that it's Omega who brings out the crosshair thing because Omega has constantly been trying to make the Bad Batch understand that it's not Crosshair's fault. Mm -hmm. So for her to kind of, I mean, it was really kind of on the nose of her bringing that case out, being like, hey, this still is a, is a part of it and you guys have got to deal with it. And it'll come up again later on in the episode. All right, let's move on to Camino. We go to Camino next. Uh, Crosshair is being enhanced. We hear CT9904. Uh, Tarkin and Nala say are having a conversation here about this, uh, what about the enhancements, about how Crosshair is responding to the things that they're doing to him. And then Admiral Rampart comes in and a little bit of professional kissing of butt between both Rampart and, and Tarkin. And uh, Rampart saying, oh, I, I love how, you know, basically he's very dedicated to the Empire. He talks about the Project War Mantle. For those who don't know, War Mantle is one of those projects that mentioned in one of Laura and I's favorite movies, Rogue One, while Jin Erso is scanning the Imperial records for the plans of Project Stardust. We hear that. So now we know that War Mantle, that is mentioned, is an effort to replace the clones with human soldiers, which is what this conversation is all about. Uh, the recruits that he's brought in, Rampart is, they're going to be trained under crosshair there's discussion about the need for loyal soldiers in order to rule across the galaxy more than clones and then we go out to meet this squad of elite soldiers from across the galaxy tarkin says it could have promise that's your cue that he's gonna take your program at some point from you and says they're designed because <laughs> he did the same thing to critic and i like this idea that the design of these they look like the early death troopers even or Dark from oh yeah definitely from uh, from Rogue One. So mm -hmm. Laura, what do you think about all of this conversation about clone troopers versus real soldiers? This is the beginning of the stormtroopers type of thing. What did you think about all of this? Uh, I really loved the the Rogue One shout out. So mm -hmm. there was that gave me a lot of uh, my Rogue One delights. Uh, but I think <laughs> that with with these new soldiers, this was definitely an interesting storyline. I'm really looking forward to learning more about maybe these other three members we kind of focused on just one in particular mm -hmm. in this episode uh but yeah i, I think you're you, <laughs> i wasn't going to spoil it yet but i think you hit the nail on the head when you mentioned that uh that tarkin is is definitely going to be taking over this project oh I think yeah see him and rampart sort of that that relationship's going to come to a head at some point and it's not going to end uh very pretty i i think what's what 
what Tarkin's doing right now is really interesting to me because we're kind of seeing him like playing both sides and just kind of waiting it out to see how this goes because he's put himself in the perfect position. If this project fails, it's not on him. He can put all of it on this Rampart guy. If right. it goes well, he's definitely going to push him aside and pull a Krennic and just completely take over and take credit for it. Uh, he's the one you don't want working in your group project because he's not going to do anything. Parking <laughs> <laughs> in a nutshell, I think. But yeah, this was this is definitely I think the more interesting plot line for me was getting to see these bringing in this new elite squad and seeing how they're going to play into this show. Yeah, Shannon, what do you think? I mean, we, this, this feels like the birth of stormtroopers, but also this conversation of I mean, we brought it up in the first episode, right? They brought it up. How about it's financially. Uh, better for them to go the human or sorry the uh, non-clone route uh but this uh, we're seeing that they uh, uh tarkin still wants to have some element of the clone thing involved here uh, in, as far as putting crosshair in charge of these troopers yeah 100 i mean the idea that that uh tarkin would use something until the wheels fall off totally lines <laughs> up with his character like like we have all this stuff left That's over true Let's not just throw it away. Let's use it until it is absolutely unusable. And you get this younger, this younger officer coming in, this younger vice admiral with something to prove. Mm. And he's just like, yeah, sure. I'll, I'll, I'll buy into your logic that loyalty is better than programming <laughs> until this thing that we have, this, this, this resource, these clones, until they're no longer, until they're no longer viable, that I'm going to find another younger subordinate to steal from <laughs> yeah and he does eventually <laughs> a number of times throughout his career michael also now says watching this all happen she's listening to this conversation mm -hmm. here between rampart and uh and tarkin as well so clearly the uh, and we know later on the comedians are also mm -hmm. kind of where is their spot in all of this if they're gonna mothball clone stuff or only take certain ones i wish that I had a time machine to go back to a younger me coming out of the theater the night that I saw Attack of the Clones. Oh my. Where I looked at probably you, I was with you guys, but I probably looked at you and was like, I thought the Camino stuff was dumb and made no sense. And I want to go back now and be like, listen, Nala say and Lama Su like I like I'm like I'm gonna like like it's gonna be cool. Just trust me. Just stick with it. It's gonna get interesting because it's super interesting. Like you're absolutely yeah. right. Like the fact that they're having this whole conversation uh, and and Nalase is just kind of standing there taking this all in, uh, listening to this discussion about how they are going to slowly replace. Like I mean, Rampart comes in and he's the enemy to her. And mm -hmm. like I find the whole the it's. You know, we all made, everybody dogged on George Lucas for those prequels, like why you have to make everything political and all of this stuff. And now we're dealing with the political machinations of Tarkin and Rampart and Nalase and the Kaminoans. And you're like, yeah, give me more of this. This is fascinating. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, like I thought it was really interesting. The introduction of these troopers, completely fascinating. And I also think um, it it's another nice shade to this transition that, you know, as far as we knew, there was clones and then there was troopers. But mm -hmm. the fact that there's this, oh, well, the clones, the, the, these new troopers can work with the clones and the clones can do, like, 
all of these little subtleties of the way it's all mixing together is really, really interesting. And uh, a recipe for uh, some um, some um, friction, as we're going to see yeah, in a little some bit. Conflict for sure. Yeah, they're bringing new uh, new people into the workforce and they're putting them under the manager that was there before. So this this also could have really base uh, connections to just working in any job where the new person takes over. They bring their people in to kind of work through things. So it's very interesting to see that all play out as well. So. <laughs> It's the Star Wars version of The Office. It's great. Yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah, but I like it. And also, you know, you mentioned something earlier, Michael, this idea of many level, many uh, uh, meanings for the word replacements in this episode. Mm-hmm. Here we go again, replacing the yep. clones with these new uh, level of uh, of soldiers. So we shall see. All right, let's go back to this desolate moon. Echo and Tech are putting in the uh, capacitor there, uh, uh, trying to figure how to how to make it work there. And then Echo hears a noise stumbles out and sees these cocoons i don't know about you but i had that mandalorian season two vibes from that uh, that episode where those crazy ass snow spiders were coming at mandalorian and baby yoda they see scratches on the ship's hull then some creature steals the capacitor wrecker up as we mentioned complains about his hurt his head are being hurt from the crash echo and tech go back inside tell hunter there was an issue with the hull just then the creature appears omega screams it has the capacitor in its jaws in its uh, and the tech explains that it's an ordo moon dragon that feeds on raw energy and everyone goes dude you could have said that before this whole <laughs> crap went down uh and then hunter wants to go get the part he tells wrecker to stay wrecker wants to go because that's his programming or desire uh and uh, uh, uh he makes him stay and omega volunteers to go and this shocked me hunter said yes and she said, I'm going to be part of the team, right? So, yes, he's her dad. But in uh, in other ways, it feels like she's another clone. So, therefore, she's going to come and do these things. So, it's very interesting. Shannon, what did you think about uh, this and him allowing her to go on the mission and this Ordo Moon Dragon situation? Well, in the last two episodes, uh, Omega has proven her bravery. In the first one, she took that, you know, one in a million blaster shot that saved them. And then in the second episode, she kind of ran through all this fire just so she could remain with Hunter and the, and the rest of the bad batch. So I, I do, I agree. I think initially it was sort of like, we're really going to take a kid with you, but it's like, okay, this is, this is our new normal. Like she is going to be with us. This is going to happen. Eventually, clearly she wants to go. And it's a dragon that feeds on energy what's the worst that could happen? <laughs> uh, what do you think, Mikey, here? I mean, this uh, this is an interesting moment because you have Tech, as you said, you get more of your, your, the the uh, banter between Tech and uh, and Echo here, but also Hunter taking on Omega in this mission. Kind of surprising for me. Uh, well, first, I just kind of loved, like, the, the not-so-subtle nods to Empire. Uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, you're, you're stranded. You're stranded. There's... A sort of there's an alien creature that sort of sucks energy. You're wearing those little oxygen masks, like <laughs> it was a hundred percent like giving me the Empire vibes of uh, Han and Leia and the gang and the and the Falcons stuck down that giant space worm's throat. So like, mm-hmm. kind of always fun when you sort of just get those nostalgia vibes in something that's new. Um, yeah, as far as like Hunter taking Omega, um, again, like this episode is called the Replacements, and this is watching her figure out where she fits on the team. And yeah. to Shannon's point. Uh, she's proven herself. You know, I've seen a lot of people sort of complain, 
complain lightly. I mean, I think everyone's enjoying the show, but that mm-hmm. you have Mandalorian, which is about, uh, you know, Mando kind of taking care of Grogu. And now we've got this other sort of parental thing going on with Hunter and Omega. And then particularly, as you pointed out, Johnny, landing on mm-hmm. this planet, you've got eggs, you've got an alien. Like, it's, it, it's very season two, episode two of Mando vibes. But I think this episode also shows how these two relationships are really different. Like, Grogu, for the most part, is just a lovely, adorable, chicky-nuggy-eating thing that needs to be protected. Uh, And Omega is not that. Omega is very much uh, paving her own way, proving that she is a very valuable member of the team. And Hunter sort of having to navigate this relationship where a part of me wants to protect you, but a part of me is recognizing that you are one of us. And as we are finding out this, figuring out this new normal of the team, you fit in a way that is different than what your physical appearance would say. Mm. And I think that kind of makes the relationship between him and Omega very different from Mando and Grogu in some really interesting ways. Yeah. And Laura, this is Star Wars, isn't it? Star Wars doing Star Wars, appealing to the kids, the kids wanting to take part in the adult stuff. You know, you know, obviously Omega is a character created to appeal to the younger generations, younger Star Wars fans. Them wanting her wanting to go on the trip is in essence her standing in for them wanting to go on these missions, wanting to grow up a little bit. Uh, this is very Star Warsy, wouldn't you say? For sure, for sure. And I don't have too much more to add to what hmm. uh, what Shannon and Michael said, but I do want to point out that like I don't know if I were Hunter, if I would want to leave Omega with the other three. So I think that may have just been part of, you know, probably keep her close. I didn't think of that, but that is a really, especially with like wrecker, wrecker, headache, headache, headache guy over here. I'm like, yeah, yeah, you know what? Maybe, maybe, maybe you, me and the dragon, maybe you, me and the dragon is the better, safer move here. <laughs> That's saying something. That's certainly saying something. Uh, all right. Uh, anything more, Laura? Are we, are we moving forward? No, let's move okay. on. All right. All right. Let's now. Now this at this section of the review, I'm going to split these two storylines into two separate sections that we're going to discuss. They occur over multiple scenes, but I think it's a better way for us to discuss it all as a whole. So let's go back to Camino. Two of the elite soldiers are complaining about the medical test they're going through. Uh, one of them says, "With the Empire, and this is the one you need to pay attention to." With the Empire, I get paid, I get fed, and a roof over my head, which is more than I got with the Republic. Uh, the Prime Minister is there uh, 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 saying that these soldiers will never reach the proficiency level of clones. Rampart counters that soldiers who, quote, willingly enlist would pay more dividends. <clears throat> I don't know about anybody else, but I immediately uh, thought of Finn in that moment, willingly enlist. Uh, Tarkin says a test in order is in order and then commands that Rampart send his troopers with uh, Crosshair leading them to Onderon to confront Saw Gerrera and their crew. Uh, we go to the ship full of troopers and clones, and that same trooper who was complaining about being poked and prodded in there uh, questions Crosshair's ability to lead. If they, Why do they need clones if they got us? Uh, this makes no sense. And it's kind of ironic, considering that first episode we got this season, to have someone questioning Crosshair. So in essence, that trooper has become the Crosshair to Crosshair's Hunter questioning his authority and all of that <laughs> they they descend on a bunch of sauce troops and get the upper hand they kill people shooting them in the back i was really shocked at them showing people getting killed at this in this way in this episode you see shooting in the back you see the pilot trying to take off gets dead shot in the chest there uh and then crosshair questions one of the captured people 
and then shoots her dead when she won't give up the information just straight up and says, I believe you. Then he moves to two of the civilians who, who look set to, and he looks set to kill them. And then this soldier who was questioning its authority steps forward, challenges Crosshair, says is what they're doing is wrong. Crosshair says, this is our orders. Uh, the soldiers say, that guy says, forget our orders. This is wrong. It's always a fatal mistake to uh, disobey orders around Crosshair. When he refuses to comply, Crosshair says, this is why I'm in charge. And then straight up murders that soldier right in front of the other soldiers and tells them to finish the mission. And we hear off screen the sounds of the screams and the sounds of them being murdered by these soldiers. The soldiers return with Crosshair. And that is the end of that scene uh, with Tarkin and Rampart discussing even further uh, uh, the the, uh, effectiveness of this. And then Tarkin saying to Rampart, I leave this in your capable hands, dot, 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 for now. So (laughs) let's discuss all of this. Michael, let's go to you first on this one. What did you feel about all this whole sequence here and these conversations and then the darkness of watching Crosshair straight up killing these people? Well, first of all, I mean, there's just so much interesting little... Uh, little bits that are fleshing mm-hmm. out again what why this why this empire and stormtroopers make sense and I mean to your point them saying right at the very beginning like you know when that one chick is like you know the war's over like what are we doing and he's like yeah. I got a roof over my head I got money I got this like you're like all right cool like I mean yeah the empire as we said like the war the world has been the galaxy has been in this huge war between droids and clones and this whole thing happening and now it's like the empire comes along and be like hey we're gonna pay you well we're gonna do this we're gonna do that and you're like yeah I'm gonna enlist this sounds great the war's over and we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna help keep order in the galaxy so that this doesn't happen again you're like this this can sound compelling um and then uh what I found really interesting is when they were all on the ship headed to Onderon, the casual bigotry that that one mm. trooper had he didn't actually Good even point. address crosshairs and this is really specific from a writer's standpoint he says to the other human troopers mm-hmm. within why is the clone within ears crosshairs right. standing like right there right. and he just yeah. completely ignores him and says why did they put the clone in charge he doesn't ask crosshairs he doesn't address cro- crosshair he doesn't address crosshair he just talks to the others about crosshair and that was this casual bigotry that they had towards the clones i found mm. So it was, and it was such a great moment because it's not something that they're hitting you over the head with. It's not that they're making a huge deal out of it. But this dude has no respect. He he looks at Crosshair as a thing, as less than human. Really, really interesting. Uh, once they got to Onderon, I I guess as soon as Saw Gerrera wasn't there, as soon as like Saw Gerrera was mm. at another location, I was like. I think all of these people are dead. Like, I, like, like, like the, there is nobody here whose name I know. Saw Guerrero is not there where he needs to escape. He is somewhere else. I was like, every danger sign, it was like red sirens were going off in my head. I was like, this is bad for everybody. Um, you would danger, And then, girl. yeah, like, every, everything you, I mean, everything you pointed out was just, it was so well done. It was brutal. It was efficient. Uh, I think it's great that they let Star Wars... Uh, go up to this level. To your point, like that, that, that we get the we get the darker side of things. Um, and Crosshair is a badass. Yeah. I mean, he's a badass in the shots he took. Like, like you said, when that pilot was taking off, and that one shot just took Ooh. him and then the entire ship down. Um, and then just the casual, like the casual 
efficiency of Crosshair. He doesn't Ruth, care. Ruthlessness. Ruthlessness. It except like even like I don't even know if it's ruthlessness. Like like he's not. Well, he, he has no have, grudge. He doesn't have, he has have no the Schwarzenegger line at the end, though. I believe you. That's a little ruthless. He could have just killed her without the line, but the Fair. line implies Fair. a little ruthless. But like, I think the thing that I the thing that I find interesting about him is, and it's because of the way that uh, the way that the way that his uh, he's performed and everything is just that there's not a lot of emotion. It's all very mm. dead. Like even the I believe you. Uh, she's like, I'm not going to tell you anything. So he shoots her. He's like, I believe you. And he's like, Do you all have anything to say? And they're like, We're just we're here for the ride. And he's like, Well, then you're not use, you're not useful. And it's just going to take them out. And man, when that trooper stood up to him, I was like, I don't like you, trooper. I think you've been a dick this whole episode. But I feel bad for you because you're about to go down. Um, and then just watching the way that he just sort of looped those other troopers in, like. You know, what are you going to do in that situation? You just watch this one dude go down. You're like, all right, I guess we're going to kill these civilians. And again, <laughs> and again, this is this is what the Empire is. I mean, this was this was the Finn moment at the beginning of Force Awakens, except if Finn had taken the shot. You know, you see that moment where you're a trooper, you signed up for something, you didn't know what you signed up for. You get there in the moment and you're like, I'm either, it's either these people or me because this dude is literally going to shoot me if I don't follow these orders. I guess I'm going to choose this. And you go down the road and now you're a trooper. And now, you know, you, you, you've taken that step into becoming uh, what we know as stormtroopers. So I found the whole yeah. thing really, really interesting. Yeah, Laura, I mean, this feels... Like, you know, George Lucas has been very clear that he modeled the Empire from the beginning on the Nazis. And I don't want to get too deep into this because it is a comfortable topic to talk about. But this is very Nazi-esque, this idea. Oh, no, these are people who are willingly enlisting. But at the base level, you get that soldier saying, look, I get fed, I get a house, blah, blah, blah. It's not about willing. It's about the fact that I could get, like, I mean, I can live. I can live. I can pay my bills. I can have an existence. And I've got to go on these missions. But it's very basic. It's not that I'm... I'm like so dedicated to this. And a lot of people who came out who were who served in the lower levels of Nazi Germany as soldiers were like, you know, some of them said it, it, I had to exist in this dictatorship. And I'm sure there were quite a few moments where one of those guys killed certain people and other people were like, well, I better do this or they're going to kill me. So there's a lot more darkness to this scene that I anticipated. Uh, what did you think about this as you were watching it yourself? For sure. I mean, you know, you talk, somebody mentioned, you know, I was surprised that Star Wars let it go this dark. I mm. I was surprised Star Wars animation was willing yes. to go this Great dark. Right. A show like this is Great really point. aimed more towards children, I think. But mm -hmm. yeah, I, I definitely see the parallels to Nazi Germany in that respect. Um, it, you know, having a bunch of soldiers line up and fire on civilians and basically turning them to an execution squad. It was yeah. tragic and incredibly dark to witness. Um, I will say that the line that we get out of, I think ES-01 was his call sign, but he was yes. the main uh, squad leader of ES, of the elite squad. He, um, he he has that line talking about how, you know, yeah, now I've got food and I've got a roof over my head and I didn't get that with the Republic. There's all these little hints kind of, you know, spread throughout the prequels. Uh, and then in some of the, like the novels, things like Master and Apprentice come to come to mind. But there's all these little hints that like, you know, the Republic did a lot of good things. And we saw the Republic in a certain light when we were following the Jedi's story in the prequels mm -hmm. and in the Clone Wars. But when we got to Clone Wars season seven and we saw like those first four episodes with the sisters and we learned like, you know, the Republic really isn't perfect. Not everybody 
is living the life that they seem to have been promised. You know, right. it's not, not everybody is getting everything out of it that they, the basic essentials, like a roof over your head and food that they, that they should be getting. So it's, it's one of those things where you can kind of, this did sort of humanize that character for me in a little bit mm. of a way, just at first of like, Oh, okay. This is where, we're coming from in this story. We've got this character that has probably a rather tragic backstory. Um, the casual bigotry was mm. really interesting to witness for sure. I, I, I caught that too, that he wasn't ever addressing Crosshair by, you know, to his face or by name. Uh, but yeah, this was, it was surprisingly dark, but I like that we're kind of getting some of these little hints of how really it was, the Clone War was for sort of ordinary people. Yeah. Uh, and how it affected everyone. Yeah. I mean, I go back to that line, Shannon, again, you know, the, the, you know, I get a roof over my head. I get food. Over. It's essentially like people say about dictatorships. Well, the trains ran on time. The trains ran on time. That's how they excuse that kind of thing. But I also think there's something working here subtly, Shannon, too. Two concepts, right? We talked about the inhibitor chip for clones where they kind of, you know, are what's the free will versus, versus their inhibitor chip. And here we go with these soldiers. These are soldiers. In essence, say, like what's their free will versus choice in this situation, too, when after Crosshair kills uh, uh, that so that other ESO one, as Laura mentioned, the other ESs are just like, ah, I guess we better do this. So, you know, it's interesting to have those two this idea of free will versus uh, versus uh, command or being made to do something working for the clones and these what, what you could argue are probably human species in these troopers. What'd you think? Well, I love the the interplay between Rampart and uh, Lama Sue. How Lama Sue's like, you know, these soldiers, they're never going to be able to do what clones can do. And Rampart's like, skills can be taught. And there are other ways of producing loyal soldiers. Now, uh, ESO-1 says, I'm fed, they give me a roof, and they pay me. That's not what Rampart said. He said there are other ways. And you think about the way that um, empires in the past or or wannabe empires in the past have uh, used propaganda. Mm-hmm. And how if if we're paying you, if that doesn't get the job, then we're going to be able to construct a narrative to make you want to join. It's the it's the, the the whole like, you know, it's it's not our fault. We're trying to protect you. Those people over there, they're the bad ones. Right. Right. And finding. Yeah. I mean, finding that 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 uh, uh, motivation to join something that you may think uh, it might not be the best, but it's better than what it's better than what I had. Mm-hmm. Um, D. Badly Baker's crosshairs. Oh. Uh, crosshair is just so reptilian. I mean, he's so That's a great description. Fantastic. I mean, just there's just a slithering quality to him. And like, I don't think of that line when he said, you know, I believe you. I don't think of that as ruthless. I think that is 100%. That's how he would. Res- that's how he's responding to this dead body, and the, the the soldier saying, "You know, I'll never tell you." Bang! Yeah, I believe you. <laughs> um, mm. The the idea that he is he is not a man of words. He is a man of action. So even as the other ESOs are talking, especially the one guy is talking about him in the third person, uh, just kind of like uh, you know, why is he clone? Um, the whole idea that Crosshair isn't saying the whole time. Part of it is he's not with his he's not with his brothers. He's not with his family anymore. He's with this group of strangers. Uh, but also, it's kind of like, okay, bud, just keep just keep going. I'm gonna I'm gonna hand you the rope yeah. <laughs> that you're that you're gonna hang yourself with. 
and watching again the way Vogel the way Vogel uh, uh, phrased it was perfect. Just sort of that that casual casual efficiency to where he's just bang 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 bang. That's it, and the whole good good soldiers follow orders and. You hear all the time, especially, you know, not to get into too into World War Two, but I was following orders. Yeah. Right. It, and that and that cross and not to, and not to excuse any not, real quick, Mike, sorry, not to excuse Nazism in any way or anybody who served on the Nazi regime. Just saying dictatorships in general yeah. have these things happening at the base level to make people do certain terrible things right. uh, to stay alive. Sorry, Mike, go ahead. No, I was going to say, I mean, again, as we look at like what Order 66 was in Revenge mm-hmm. of the Sith. And the way that Clone Wars from the season six arc with fives, fives, right? Yeah, with yeah. the season six arc with fives all the way through now, where that was the first time they introduced that sort of good soldiers follow orders yes, yes. moment. Like in Order Six, Order Sixty Six in the movie, we just he's like execute Order Sixty Six. The clones did their thing, but with that fives arc in season six, where he all of a sudden you saw him sort of trigger early, and the good soldiers follow orders into the season seven finale with Rex and everybody else into now with crosshair this idea of good soldiers follow orders and johnny you're right i mean it is definitely a clear tie and a reference to that yeah that 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 i was just following orders i was just doing this uh and the thing that's sad and again to your to the point uh that's one of one of you guys made like the clones crosshair included are following orders because they don't have a choice right these right. other troopers who are just doing it because they're like, shit, that guy just went down. They do have a choice. So again, this idea of what's your choice, what's your programming just keeps kind of coming up and it's really, really fascinating. And I I think uh, Shannon nails it when he says the propaganda. The propaganda is in essence, that's a human inhibitor chip, propaganda. It makes you do certain things. If it appeals to you, a certain section of your brain, it makes you do certain things. Uh, And just to lighten the mood a little bit, this tweet, fantastic. If you've seen... If you've seen uh, The Last Dance, <laughs> you, know, you know what this means if you've seen The Last Dance. The Bad Batch. Uh, <laughs> so Crosshair, Crosshair yeah, took it personally. Crosshair just, took it personally. <laughs> uh, uh, I, could, I couldn't resist putting it on the show. Uh, <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> Let's move on to the next thing. And this is, uh, this is the other storyline happening at the same time. Hunter and Omega are uh, uh, tracking down this dragon. They discuss the idea that Hunter can track. Hunter explains to Omega that every one of the clones has a special skill. Omega brings up Crosshair yet again. Uh, and Hunter said, and she says, you shouldn't be angry at him. He's the inhibitor chip, blah, blah, blah. And he says, I'm not angry at him. I'm angry at myself because I left a man behind. So really interesting. For anybody who's done military stuff, you know what that means overall. They find the dragon. It attacks Hunter, knocks off his mask, and knocks him unconscious. Omega radios for help. No one responds. So she takes it upon herself with her flashlight and Hunter's blaster and goes down into uh, the hole there where the dragon's at. She finds the part, is confronted by the dragon, uh, Hunter wakes up, starts calling for her. Omega sees that the dragon is drawn to her flashlight and is not actually trying to kill her or threaten her. It's scared. It's doing its own thing. It wants to feed off energy. Uh, and so when she realizes it isn't as threatening as she thought, she throws the flashlight over there for the dragon to consume its energy. She grabs the part, climbs out. Hunter pulls Omega out. They have a bit of the father-daughter thing. Are you okay? What were you doing? Blah, blah, blah. And she says, well, this was the mission. Uh, and she didn't use the blaster after she he mentions the blaster. And she said, I had to complete the mission. You juxtapose this Laura with Crosshair saying, I had a mission. I had to complete the mission. 
She's saying I had to complete the mission. So it's really interesting. One in a better light, one in a more negative light. What did you think about this whole storyline there with Hunter and Omega and the dragon? It was great. And I'm going to constantly come back to just loving this father-daughter relationship mm. that we're getting out of Hunter and Omega. It's just adorable. And it's really interesting how it's sort of pushing Hunter's storyline forward because he was one that was sort of a mystery to me too. I'm just like, well, he's a leader of the group, I guess. He can track <laughs> things. I don't really know what else he's supposed to be doing. So I'm I'm Good really point. loving this storyline for yeah. him. Um, yeah, th- this was really fun getting to see a little bit more of like, omega's sort of i guess capability she doesn't really have to do much but she's very attuned to the things around her and the fact that she was able to sort of pick up on what this dragon was after and be able to get herself out of the situation safely with the missing part that they needed to get off the planet um i I, i'm she's still just a big question mark though and here we are we're, we're kind of circling back to the same question of exactly what is her special ability that we haven't figured out yet and it's just for me it just kind of gets more annoying the farther we get into the story into this season where we don't have the answer to that because there's got to be something there and i just need to know what it is so i'm hoping that that's coming soon and we're not going to continue to drag (laughs) this out um but it is it's we still get more of that like Omega imitating Hunter and sort of being in like the same position, making the same hand positions as they're kind of creeping through the darkness in this episode. Um, And it's just overall, it's really cute. So I'll be curious to see where they go with her story and her abilities, and then maybe revisit these episodes to see like, what hints did they provide to us where we should have figured this out? Because I'm sure they're there. Yeah, that's for sure. Uh, Shannon, yeah, Laura brings up a second point. The father-daughter dynamic deepening. Michael mentioning at the beginning of our review, the idea of multiple uh, meanings for replacements. Is Omega replacing Hunter, as Laura pointed out, imitating the the uh, the hand signals, all of that, kind of taking it upon herself to go on this mission? What did you think? Yeah, I mean, and, and we find out at the end that it certainly seems that way, that Omega is the is the next generation of clones. Or that's at least that's what I took from it is mm-hmm. that she's she's the next step in the cloning process. I did like as she's as she's watching Hunter track and she asks, like, can you teach me how to do that? Um, and mm-hmm. he's like, well, it's an enhanced skill. We all have one. And then thinking back to Rampart as he's like, well, skills can be taught. And Hunter's basically saying, no, they can't. <laughs> 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 this, 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 is, this is an actual program. I mean, I loved the the her kind of going down into 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 like those caves confronting the dragon being able to kind of figure out a solution like i don't have to shoot this thing it wants this let me give you this and i'm gonna get out um it's it's interesting to see the the shades of the other bad batch in her we've seen we've seen her crosshair moments yep um i i don't know if this would be a hunter moment i feel like we've definitely seen the tech moments from her where she is a little uh, I wouldn't say unemotional, but kind of matter of fact about the whole thing. Like whenever she brings up crosshair to Hunter, it's not like, oh, you know, don't be mad at him. It's just like, oh, you shouldn't be mad at him. Like this is like she's just so matter of fact about the whole thing. Yeah. Um, I, I do agree with Laura. I mean, I, this, this is clearly the the uh, uh, mystery of the season. I am curious because I certainly had my theories that she's an amalgamation of all of them. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I hope I'm wrong. I hope there's something else. 
Yeah, definitely. Mike, uh, you, know, you know, Laura mentions the de deepening of the father-daughter dynamic, but also Shannon bringing it up, her like defending Crosshair, her kind of finding her uh, her uh, spot there with the with the Bad Batch. This is the purpose she seems to be serving is the bridge to reunite them back together. But what will the price be by the end of the season? What did you think about this mission overall and how they related to each other as this was going on? Uh, I really liked it. I mean, I really enjoy Hunter and Omega's relationship, as Laura said. Uh, look, I think that, you know, it's not it's not unintentional that you have Crosshair completing a mission and Omega completing yeah. a mission. Uh, yeah. And that Crosshair does it very violently. And, Ome and Omega literally points out she didn't use the blaster. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, there's there's there like uh, it's 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 like George Lucas said, it's all poetry. It rhymes. Uh, it's all, we, we all, we, it happens all the time in Star Wars. The other thing I think that is interesting oh, sure. about the way that Omega solved the problem is to Hunter's point about enhancements and this is what we're programmed to do. Mm -hmm. Hunter's always going to track. It's what he's trying to do. Crosshairs, mm -hmm. as we see on Onderon, is going to shoot. Yeah. Tech is gonna tech. Wrecker is going to wreck something. Like, it's what they do. Omega went in with a blaster with one intention, took in the situation, and chose a different strategy. And I think that that's kind of, as we look at, to Laura's point, as we get, once we get to what is this clone, what is this next generation clone, what is this, this ability to kind of do more than just what you were programmed to do, to, to problem solve, to make different choices, to make mm -hmm. these leaps, uh, there might be something in that. Like, that's what I kind of took away when you compare the Crosshair story to the Omega story. Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. It's essentially, you know, like there's one way to handle things with a gun and there's another way to handle things by not re immediately resorting to the violence or resorting to anger or resorting to, uh, you know, for my interpretation, ruthless tactics to get a job done. So very interesting to see those two juxtaposed. You make an excellent point there, Mike. All right, let's move on. Lama Su and Alase are walking and they're discussing their need to make their clones essential because Rampart's plans essentially would r remove... Uh, the communicants from having any influence on the empire at all, the burgeoning empire. They talk about Django Fett's genetic material degrading. Uh, Lamasu mentions Nala's experiment to make a superior genetic clone, which will secure their relationship with the empire. Nala says she needs a direct source. The clones required will not return willingly. Lama says they only need one. And let's keep going here because we only have a few more minutes here. Um, we also see um, uh, Crosshair come back with the rest of the ES troopers, and he kind of looks at uh, where Rector had been kind of marking how many days the missions, all of this. They're back in that kind of hangout area that we'd seen from the first episode, and then we see them all branch off, and there is uh, uh, Crosshair by himself sitting on the bunk, and they do a wide shot to show how alone he really is. And to juxtapose that, we go back to the ship, Bad Batch, replace the capacitor, take off. Wrecker, who was made to stay back uh, because of his injury, has a surprise for Omega, makes her close her eyes, walks her over, pulls the curtain back, and it's her own little room. She says she never had her own room before, and Hunter says, well, now you're part of this squad, too. Cue the waterworks. <laughs> Talk to me about these two, uh, two juxtapositions, uh, uh, juxtaposed moments, and also... Uh, this conversation where the communicants are realizing we've got to do something here to ensure our existence, ensure our survival. Yeah, I'm, I was kind of wondering when they were saying, like, we just need one. I, I don't know if this is like a first generation clone thing. Like, obviously, right. Django Fett is off the table. 
are they ta- I mean, I, I don't I don't think that they would be talking about Boba at this point. Like, I am curious it, who, who they were actually referring to. Um, I, I, and I didn't. I didn't assume it was the Bad Batch either. I'm, I'm, I'm curious. I'm, immediately, my head goes Rex, uh, just because he's Ooh. he's the most prominent clone still out there. Yeah, I mean, I know it might not, it might not make sense, but when okay. she's saying we just need one of them, I'm thinking right. like it's it's going to be a character of of some significance. That's hmm. that's what I'm presuming. I I could be completely wrong. Right. Um, I, I love the. They, they the, only need one. So what one are they referring to? That's a good point. Yeah. All right, go ahead, man. Go ahead. Um, I I love the isolation. Of Crosshair, I love the the fact that Nosh got a promotion from Vice Admiral to Admiral oh, right. um, with uh, Tarkin. Tarkin clearly leaving it in his hands, being like, "Yeah, right. you know, it's it's in your very capable hands." Um, so I'm assuming I'm going to get to hear my buddy uh, a lot more over the next few weeks. Um, and then it's like, so when I watch for all of our episodes, I, I watch the episode once for enjoyment, and then I'll watch it again, um, and and I take and I take my notes. And so yesterday I had, I got to my girlfriend's from after work, had a long day. I was tired. It's like, ah, let's have a glass of wine. I gotta, I gotta take my notes here. And then we get to the end and I see those blinds that Wrecker made. And I don't know. I just like, I just see Wrecker in his gigantic hands trying to sew. (laughs) (laughs) And and, and that was a moment like, you know, two glasses of wine in that I'm like, ugh, ugh. (laughs) <laughs> she's asking are you okay it's fine it's star wars <laughs> but yeah i thought the way that it ended was just so sweet it was just so nice and such a such a such a moment of um of lightness compared to the relative darkness of the rest of the episode yeah yeah mikey what'd you think here beautiful ending for sure and you know you, you compare that to what uh, um crosshair went through what'd you think he, uh, yeah, I mean, I think the ending was really great. Really quickly before I say what I want to say about that, on mm. the whole Kaminoan conversation, I am really intrigued because, like, uh, yeah, like the, yeah. the Django Fett material is degrading. If your experiment can yield a superior clone, which your experiment sounds like Omega. I mean, yes. not, you know, like, like and then me. if, like, and if that was your experiment, why did you let her go away with the Bad Batch, which we clearly saw happen. Uh, and then, yeah, the whole, the clones required will not return willingly. Um, their property, we only need one. It, I took it as like, that is the, like the clones required won't return willingly does seem to me to be the Bad Batch. Like Rex, as much as we love him and is one of the most amazing clone characters, from a DNA standpoint is no different from any other clone uh the the bad batch with their enhanced abilities are but then that doesn't really make sense because if they only need one they do currently (laughs) have crosshair just sitting there so it's like what what they are talking about was still very vague and i was like "Mm, what what is this uh i could be completely wrong too i mean it's gonna i'm gonna like a week from now it's gonna be like we need rex and shannon's gonna be like aha but uh so we'll see we'll see what it is um Again, just to the sort of everything being poetry and kind of echoing, I just loved uh, Crosshair going into the old bunks with the gang and sitting there completely isolated as these new troop, as his new new squad takes their place and literally replaces uh, the others. And then to see Omega get this room that's warm and glowing with everybody gathered around her and them saying, you're a part of our team. Like you just, it, it, it enhances the love that you have for the way that they're embracing Omega while at the same time enhancing just the, the sadness that you feel 
for Crosshair, despite the fact that we just watched him do horribly, horribly dark things in the, in the world of Star Wars. And I thought yeah. that was just so well done. Uh, that makes me curious to see where we're going with Omega, although I do agree with Laura that the longer they drag it out, the more I'm just kind of like, all right, what's the deal? Uh, uh, but i like fascinated to see where we're going to go with Crosshair. <laughs> what's the deal with Omega? Yeah, uh, you know, I'm still on the she's a spy without knowing she's a spy type thing. But also, uh, Laura... I've seen on a number of other sites, I'm not trying to take any credit for this, but like some people have speculated direct source is Boba Fett in play here in some way, not Omega, not Rex, not Clone Force 99, is Boba Fett in play? Address that and also what you thought of these final two scenes here uh, overall. It's an interesting theory about Boba Fett. I wouldn't be surprised to see him show up here since we mm. know that, you know, we're introducing characters in other Star Wars media and that just so that we can bring them back and hopefully draw in more fans of the show. It's a great strategy. Mm. So it totally makes sense. Um, I, I do love this little bit of writing at the end with the the conversation between the Kaminoans. I mean, if I wasn't already really intrigued mm. by this show and the plot, this would be like the thing that is just going to keep me coming back because I'm just am dying to know what exactly they're talking about in this situation. Um, and I agree the bad batch, the fact that they might be talking about the bad batch didn't make a lot of sense to me either for the same reasons that they already have crosshair and they only need one. I have no idea who they're talking about. So I'm just excited to see where this goes. Um, when it comes to this last scene with Omega getting her own sort of like room on the ship, it wasn't clear to me whether or not she was sort of taking over Crosshair space or if they had mm. created a new space for her entirely. That I wasn't sure about. But if it is the former, it really just kind of is reinforcing my belief that like Crosshair is not going to make it out of the season alive mm. and that she essentially is going to be replacing him. Um, which is really sad, but, you know, we see him in that, like, weird MRI machine at the very beginning of the episode. We see him then being even more robotic somehow in this, in more unfeeling in this episode than he was before. Um, we've got, we've got tech at the beginning of the episode working on this scanner. I wonder if at some point in this show we're going to see a mission where they actually do try to rescue him, figure out mm -hmm. what's going on with his inhibitor chip and remove it. Yeah. Um, that, that I think would be something that might be interesting to see if they can, if he then crosshair is then able to sort of reconcile with what has happened to him. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I do love the scene at the end where she gets her own room. The fact that she gets her own toy that sort of looks like Lula, which is Wrecker's little toy that we saw <laughs> yeah. in episode one. Uh, I, Good and points. she kind of picks it up and like holds it like a baby. I was just like, Oh, this is just precious i, I love <laughs> every moment that we get of them welcoming omega even more into the group just warms my heart it Definitely. it is a good point actually uh we know that rex is coming in because we've seen him in the trailers yeah. and we know that hunter feels really shitty about leaving crosshair behind but you do, as you make this point it does rex is proof that you can overcome the inhibitor chip yeah, he had a lot of Jedi help getting it there, but like when they see Rex yeah. and okay, they discover yeah. that he is not uh, the he he is not suffering Order sixty six programming the way that other clones are, right. it's proof that you can get that chip out, which would in as far as everything we know about Hunter lead them to be like we're going back in and getting our guy and we're getting that thing out of his head. So I think that yeah. you're, you're probably uh, right as far as all that goes. It's gonna be really interesting to see. And tech with that scanner. I mean, that's laying the groundwork. Yeah. That's going to happen. You take that chip out. And <clears throat> I'm with Laura on this. And I, I now, as you guys talk about it, as we're talking about it in the episode, it feels like a possible Rogue One situation. 
uh, where the whole Bad Batch is killed by the end, and that would be heartbreaking. And I read, I, don't quote me on this, but I, as I was cur- strolling through t- Twitter last night, someone mentioned, or one of the writers from Bad Batch, I think, mentioned, uh, what do you do when you're writing your last cue and this you get emotional? Kevin, was it Kevin Kiner? Uh, the guy who does yeah, the and a lot of people were like, what does this mean? People were freaking <laughs> Yeah. What does, yeah it, what does it mean when you're, what does it mean when you, you're crying when you're writing the uh, cue for the final whatever? Yeah, I was like, oh, shit. who's dead Uh, but I do want to bring up one more tweet here to kind of reinforce this I love this contrast right the idea of Omega being accepted into the group of the Rome room and here is uh, um, Crosshair with a sense in his own room all by himself so this is what the choices you make what it can lead to in the end so very powerful stuff overall Uh, yeah any final words before we wrap up here we got about five minutes before we got to cut this thing off Uh, any final words or shall we wrap Nope. All right, good. Thanks for the <laughs> Mike, go ahead, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, no, I mean, I just think, like, just looking at that image that you just posted of Crosshair mm-hmm. sitting there, like, as far as we've seen of Crosshair in this entire episode, and up to this point, I mean, he's following orders, he's doing what his programming does, and it looks like the inhibitor chip has fully worked, he has no compunction about doing anything that he does, but yeah. this final moment where he walks into the room, sees all the marks that Wrecker had made on the wall, of all the missions they completed, sits down by himself and is just sitting there in that moment, you really do get the sense that there is something missing or there is some loss there. And, you know, Star Wars, for all of the ships and action and monsters and force powers and lightsabers and everything, it's like, it's about family. Mm -hmm. I mean, it is about... It is a it is a show about about uh, whether it be the Skywalker saga or the the found family, your chosen family, in the Bad Batch case, they are family. Yeah, uh, Rebels, uh, Rogue One, like it's all that. That's really what uh, why we keep coming back over and over and over again. And does the loss of your brothers outweigh this programming? Does the yeah. does the love that you have, you know, or even Rex, you know, being able to hold off his programming long enough to give Ahsoka the one clue she needs to help him out? Like, yeah. you know, and so with Crosshair, it's like when push comes to shove, when it really gets down to it, as much as they're programmed to do something, will that, uh, will the feelings he has for the rest of Clone Force 99 overcome that? And I think that's sort of why we keep coming back and why we hope and like, and to your point, Johnny, from the very beginning, why we're probably going to end up wanting to hug Crosshair, even though he killed a bunch of people. Yeah, like they do in Star Wars, they always redeem everybody. But also, one real quick thing, I feel like if a human counterpoint to what Crosshair is feeling in that moment at the end there, it's what a lot of really good soldiers feel as well. Just because they're good at killing people doesn't mean the ramifications of those don't that doesn't echo into their lives. PTSD, what have you. So it, it gave me that vibe being a military guy, seeing that moment. I kind of had that feeling as well. Uh, real quick, like 20, 30 seconds. The idea of a genetically enhanced clone feels super soldier like. Are we making too many connections here between Marvel uh, and Star Wars under the Disney overall umbrella? Is this uncomfortable or do you like this idea of a genetic enhanced clone, a super clone in essence? Anybody? <laughs> well, I think the comparisons between Winter Soldier and Crosshair are definitely there, but I don't feel like the super clone is going to make us think the super soldier. Okay. That's just me. All right. Mike or uh, Alora, what do you think? Uh, I, I think Star Wars, as much as they are both under the Disney banner, uh, the things that are making Star Wars work right now and the things that make Marvel work uh, are different enough that I don't think that they have any, until we see, uh, until until the, the 
space splits open and the Fantastic Four fly through and land on Coruscant, I think we're pretty safe. Yikes. Laura, any thoughts on that? <laughs> no, I don't have anything to add to that. Okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, they don't call her. They don't call her the best color man in the business for nothing, folks. All right, let's let's get on out of here. Uh, Shannon, what do we have to tell them? Yeah, I'd like to follow us on social media on Twitter. It's at Geek Underscore Buddies on Instagram at the Underscore Geek Underscore Buddies. If you'd like to follow me on social media on Twitter, it's at Shannon Underscore McClung on Instagram at Shannon the Geek Buddy. If you would like to follow Mr. Vogel, it is at MK Two. And if you would like to follow Mr. Roca, it is at the Roca Says. Thank you, Mikey. Uh, sadly, we do not have inhibitor chips in all of you to make you do what we want, so we just have to ask nicely. <laughs> Here are some things that you can do uh, so that we can continue doing all of these awesome spoiler reviews and Geek Buddies episodes and everything else. Uh, smash the like button below. Subscribe to Johnny's Outlaw page. There is tons of awesome con content. Leave your comments below. What did you think of this episode? Uh, how do you think the pacing is? What do you think is going on with Omega? What do you think is going on with Crosshair? Who do you want to see next? Uh, what other Star Wars characters would you love to see show up? Uh, if you are listening to us on uh, a podcast, uh, whether it's Anchor or Spotify or Apple Podcasts, definitely leave us some ratings, leave us some stars there. It helps us go up in the rankings. And the best thing that you can do is retweet this video, uh, post it on your Facebook page, send it to your friends, say, hey, this is where all the Star Wars talk is happening. You want to be a part of it. That would be amazing. There you go. And of course, thanks again to Laura Kelly for joining us for this review. We always appreciate it. Laura, where can they find you and what you got going on? Sure. Come find me down at shutup underscore Laura on Twitter. You can follow my show, Force Toast, a Star Wars happy hour at Force Toast Pod. And stay tuned for uh, me and Roke are going to be talking about Admiral or, uh, yeah, whatever tar whatever title Tarkin he has now the in years. the Clone Wars. I'm not <laughs> yeah. sure. Yeah. Imperial Governor. <laughs> well, yeah. We'll be talking about Will of Tarkin in our next episode of The Jedi Way, so stay tuned for that. Definitely an interesting story as we're doing research for that show. Very excited to talk about it. Don't miss it coming out soon. All right, take care, everybody. We love you madly, and we'll talk to you next time on another brand-new spoiler review episode here from The Geek Buddies! <gasps> hey! Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.